Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast version of Ben Woods. Thanks for finding us wherever you are, radio.com, downloading the radio.com app, or, of course, you can listen to us on your smart speaker and make sure you subscribe so you get our content every single day. Absolutely. And there's lots of other podcasts from other hosts here in the building and here at 97.3. Make sure to check those out as well. But right now, back to Ben and Woods. Welcome, Andrew Brandt uh, from the MMQB, Business of Sports podcast, former Green Bay Packers executive uh, with us here to Ben and Woods on 97.3 The Fan. Uh, Andrew, it's great to have you on again this morning. How are you doing? Good to be on and good to be talking about things other than the Packers uh, hiring their own referees last night. <laughs> I was following your Twitter last night, Andrew. And, and I, I love it. Now, listen, Andrew worked for the Packers, so he, he, yeah, has, yeah. he, he has to say, I'm clearly biased against the pack. Everybody getting mad at me right now. I worked for the. I'm a Packer fan, and and people. I saw Packers fans actually tweeting. Yeah, we got lucky on yeah, that. Yeah, we got one. lucky. Yeah, we on got a few one. breaks on that one. Even they had to acknowledge Andrew no, and that I that wasn't to, the most fairly officiated game last night. Yeah, I had to too. And listen, I'm in media. I get it, and I'm supposed to be a voice above all this. But I think people have their fandoms. That's overrated. And- yeah, I mean, listen, I was there 10 years and have a lot of friends still in the organization, and I'm not going to be kind of hiding that. So, yeah, I mean, it's amazing what Aaron Rodgers can do with really practice squad receivers. And, um, I mean, the Lions have to feel awful. Was that Lazard actually on the team, or did they just pull him out of the stands at some point? <laughs> yeah, it looked like these guys playing receiver. Like, where did they get these guys? But anyway – Back to your question, it is amazing to me, Before, way before the other night, this has gone on for years, and this doesn't really add to the L.A. versus San Diego discussion because, speaking of the Packers, when we played there, I, I remember the first touchdown we scored, I looked around and I'm like, where are we? I mean, there is a ton of cheering going on here, and... I felt that way back 10, 15 years ago playing in San Diego that whether we played in San Diego or Miami or Tampa or Arizona, it just felt like these were Lambeau Field. Um, So I don't know if that's something unique. Obviously, you get a team like the Steelers, which probably falls into that Packers and Bears group where they're just people travel and it's you look at the calendar and you say San Diego or L.A., yeah, we're doing that one. And um, so that's what it was the other night. But, you know, the bigger issue that you raise is the issue that I, my expertise, the business of sports and the business, there was no business deal to be made between the Spanos family and the city of San Diego. At the time, it just seemed like, okay, they're going to L.A., that's not a bad option, but as time goes on, you really wonder, could they have worked harder to make a deal? Well, and that's the that's the gazillion-dollar question, Andrew, because we like to sit in here, and, you know, my, my partner is a, a San Diego native, lived and died with the Chargers, mostly died 
with the Chargers uh, <laughs> over the years. And, you know, all right, so, and I'm not even sure that you can answer this, but what are the options now? I mean, it cannot obviously continue to go this way. And I've been telling people, you know, that love to root against the Chargers. Now, you think it's bad now. Wait till next year when you're trying to fill 70,000 and not 27. And if you really want to make fun of the team, next year's going to be your year. And I understand some people are, they want to go check out the shiny new stadium, but I don't yeah. know. I, I just feel like optics-wise, how long can they let this go on uh, in its current situation? And then also the second part of that question is what legitimately could be done by the NFL? Well, let's back up a little bit because I covered these meetings so much for ESPN. And I just remember when L.A. got the nod, the Rams, and they're going to Englewood, and Spanos and Davis are out in the cold. It was a clear message from the NFL to the Chargers and Raiders, go back to your markets, try to make a deal. And if you do, we'll throw you another $100 million. Think about that number, $100 million. If you can make a deal, we'll give you $100 million. So the league is begging those teams to stay. And yet, of course, a year later, the Chargers take the option. They had a year. And they said, no, we're out. And they become a tenant to Stan Kroenke and the Rams, kind of the stepsister of that building. Now we read reports about PSLs are really, they projected $400 million. Now they're projecting $150 million, And it looks like they're never going to get to that number for the Chargers games. It just looks like they're, they're, they're the, the redheaded stepsister in all this with the Rams. And... It doesn't look good. So what are the options is a great question. I don't know. I I don't know how the NFL can step in and juice the market for the Chargers. They're not a bad team, and they may, you know, have some momentum going into next year, depending on how things break. But, yeah, there just doesn't seem to be the appetite. And maybe what's happening here is that, the 25-year absence in L.A. is catching up because there's no fan bases. But, you know, I, I don't know if I'm anticipating the next question, which is any chance of going back to San Diego. I don't know. I mean, it seems to me that ship sailed. But if they're looking at the, the option in L.A. to an empty, huge, brand-new, shiny stadium, that's got to be considered. Yeah, you know, Andrew, and, and we're talking to Andrew Brandt, Business of Sports. Um, you mentioned that that there was no deal to be had, and, and certainly there was no deal, at least the, the kind of deal the Spanos family wanted in San Diego. But, you know, San Diego State is about to tear down, you know, SDCCU Stadium, what used to be called the Q, and build their own more, much more modest stadium here for like $250, $300 million, but they're doing it without – uh, you know, local city money. And it, obviously, I just feel like the Chargers, had they been willing to accept something a little more modest uh, as opposed to the, you know, the $1.8 billion proposal for downtown that they put in front of voters that was going to require a, a, a tax increase on tourists and, and all that, that there was a deal to be done. In fact, if they wanted to call San Diego State right now and say, hey, you know what, if we're willing to to chip in, you know, uh, you know, two thirds the cost, and make the stadium a little bigger and nicer, and do a, like a billion dollar thing down there. They might still be able to do something. Uh, you know, at this point in San Diego, I just think there's too many 
hard feelings. You know, there's been too many bridges burned on both sides is the real yeah. obstacle b- between ever getting the Chargers back to San Diego. Yeah, and again, going back to the meetings, it, it looked like for a long time this doesn't really help San Di- you know, talk about San Diego, but it looked like a long time that Raiders, Chargers together in Carson was going to be the choice over Rams in Englewood. And lo and behold, these meetings, Jerry Jones stands up and says, we need to think bigger, and this Englewood will be part of this multi-billion dollar retail project, and we'll host Super Bowls, and we'll host Combines, and we'll host Olympics, and we'll host World Cup, and we'll have all kinds of events there, and think bigger, and the brand's bigger than Carson, and, and you know, it all just kind of shifted and they looked at Dean Spanos and Mark Davis and patted him on the back and say, good luck next time, but go get a deal done. And, of course, they didn't. I was there in Houston that day when they made that decision. I, I don't remember yeah, if too. you were there as well. And I still contend to this day that the biggest mistake the NFL made, you remember how they were rushing out to their limos to get the deal done and it all came together yeah. and in an hour? Had they just taken a couple of more hours and thought about the options that they were giving Dean Spanos and, and, and Mark Davis. And the fallout. That wasn't really that smart of the NFL to just kind of rush through that process and give them a dollar lease in Inglewood. I mean, they made it so easy for the Chargers to go to L.A. and take that option. No commitment on PSL sales, just whatever you got, you're going to contribute. I think they're regretting the haste uh, of which that happened that day in Houston now. At least some of the owners probably privately are. Yeah, I mean, it's the optics of watching that game, as I'm sure you guys did more than me, and trying to count one or two Chargers fans at a home game. Uh, The optics are bad. Now, again, they play a team that's not uh, a Midwestern or popular East Coast team that travels well. Maybe it's different optics playing the Chargers playing at quote-unquote home. But it does bring up the specter next year of this brand-new shiny stadium. As you said, if they don't draw next year with the honeymoon of the stadium, oh, my God, you know, what's going to happen in five years? Because, again, this is going to be a honeymoon year. Whether the Chargers or Rams are good or not, you figure, oh, everyone's going to want to see the stadium, spend the, you know, their day at the new stadium. But that's going to wear off. And, Andrew, were you surprised at all? We are talking to Andrew Brandt, uh, host of the Business of Sports podcast, uh, also columnist for the Monday Morning Quarterback. Were you surprised at all by the uh, the scene in the Coliseum with, you know, 50% uh, Niners fans at least? Yeah, that surprised me as well. I mean, listen, we can talk about how good these teams are, but, you know, the, the Rams have an exciting team under any – anyone's opinion whether they're winning now or not but you figure that's a team that's going to draw you know in in star-driven LA they're flashy they have big-time offense with the exciting young coach and that doesn't seem to be working either (laughs) but you're right just like Las Vegas which we haven't talked about there are going to be a ton of, of visiting team fans in these games but that's not sustainable I mean, I, I just wonder what the NFL is thinking. Well, like, yeah, if, if, if only we had some historical basis to prove that football in L.A. isn't always what it's cracked up to be. I mean, it's, you know, you, you keep going back to the well and back to the well, and it's like, oh, man, 
really thought it was going to happen this time. And, and here we are, <laughs> you know, a couple of years later, and it's like they couldn't care less. They couldn't. I'd rather have a team in Portland, you know, because it'd be filled. I mean, look at Buffalo. Look at Green Bay. Look at all of these places where, you know, they're pilgrimage, pilgrimages for fans, not, hey, we'll get down there for one game. Look, I've, I've been in L.A. enough to know. I'm never leaving my house to go to a football game, ever. I don't care how much I love the team. There's just no way. It's hard enough. I went to a World Series game. It took me five hours to get out of the parking lot. I'm never going to a game. (laughs) This is a problem the NFL is facing in all sports leagues. And how to engage when it may be a better view on your widescreen television and you don't fight parking and traffic and drunks. So. You know, that's always going to be the question for any live sporting event right now, especially younger audiences. And whether it's, you know, in-game app betting that you can only do at the facility oh, yeah. or some kind of esports gaming in the in the concourse, you're going to have to figure out ways to get young people to these games. Andrew, before you go, uh, maybe for the first time ever, the NFL probably happy that their product isn't as popular in China as the NBA's product because uh, they've kind of been spared the controversy of this past week. But what would you say to uh, someone like LeBron James, who obviously has business interests in that country and uh, kind of stepped in it last night, seemed unprepared for the questioning that he had to know was coming. Um, but it is that balance between a brand – uh, a business, uh, you know, a social impact that many of these NBA athletes are having. And it's almost, uh, no matter what you say, uh, you're going to make someone mad at this point. Yeah, and I have a column coming out today on Sports Illustrated, MMQB, about the NFL kind of sitting back, maybe smugly smiling at all this, because NBA is known as progressive, and they're known as liberal, and they're known as doing all these kind of things. And here they are, the NFL is probably thinking, hey, look, they're just like us. You know, business first. When politics gets involved, it doesn't work. So we'll sit back and we'll watch the NBA just come back just like we were. Oh, that's pretty good. I can't wait to read that, actually. That that (laughs) actually just made a lot of sense in my head. I can't believe I didn't put that together. I was like, ah, it's not so fun and easy, is it, right? But, I know. listen, I am not the last person to criticize LeBron. I think he's been wonderful for sports in general. He's a role model. There's never been anything negative about his his life off the court. He's put a school together. He raises his kids well. Same woman. I mean, this is a guy that you have to look up to, but you're right. This was a awkward all around, and the way they're dragging Daryl Morey under the bus is amazing to me, and this is one of the most respected general managers in the league. No one's come to his defense. In a world where coaches and players routinely criticize issues in civil rights and human rights, and that's exactly what this guy was advocating for in a tweet, but it was bigger than that. It was international business, and it affected these guys on the trip. So uh, NBA's can't get out of China soon enough right now. Andrew, uh, that was amazing. Uh, love it when you come on the show. Thank you for giving us some time this morning. Uh, we're looking forward to that column as well. Really appreciate it. Oh, it was a pleasure, guys. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. 
and watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB At-Bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to At-Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.